Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 536 of the JV Club with my marvelous, marvelous guest, comedian, and just wonderful person, Olivia Flood Wiley. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to. She's a delight. You'll see some echoes of Caitlin Cook's experience growing up as a teen in LA, and also just some fun conversation about Amsterdam and much more. So give it a listen. I hope everyone is doing well, and I will talk to you next week. What people did not see was just a... a a, a delightful circus of both <laughs> Olivia and I just being friends on a Zoom together, like packing and unpacking stuff in the distance. <laughs> it's very companionable. Yeah, just two gals getting stuff done quietly. <laughs> yeah, I'm. There's probably like the little minute sounds that were coming through the speakers. Probably would be like a really fun ASMR <laughs> channel. It would just be two gals clicking and clacking and smooshing and folding. We're going to be so rich. Uh, oh, so rich. Yes, I'm ready. Has there ever been a time in history when, I mean, I'm sure there has. I'm sure there has. But this is why I'm asking you. Has there ever been a time in history when it's been more, it's been easier, especially in the arts, to be like, I can't believe that person makes that amount of money with what they're doing and I make the no money I make doing what I'm doing. Like, this feels like it's, the epitome of that like it's like I don't know how we could eclipse this of like that person does what on YouTube and gets paid what per year I know and so many things where I'm like oh well I mutter quietly to myself for free I exactly <laughs> there's so many things what do you mean I can just rub two erasers together oh. yeah I, there was a time where I got really deep into like weird ASMR YouTube and it's very strange you did did you do it because you've you have some uh receptors that allow you to enjoy it or was it just a curiosity and you're like i'm feeling nothing but i'm i actually actively hate it like it makes me it makes me feel (laughs) icky in my skin which is why i like went so deep i was like i have to know there has to be an answer and i never got one as to why it would be enjoyable (laughs) but i did enjoy there was very lively debate in the comments under one woman who did an asmr thing as like a flight attendant and she was like, mm-hmm. welcome to airlines. And people were like, is she oh. saying it's the KKK airline? And she had uh, to oh. she had to come in the airline and be like, in the airline, in the comments and be like, oh my God, <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. It's just that <laughs> is a good noise to make. And I thought it would be clever. <laughs> so there's real discourse happening in, in ASMR YouTube. There- <laughs> uh. Uh, there's so much to unpack here. Okay, speaking of packing and unpacking with words this time and emotions and thoughts. Um, okay, did you think, because here's my, here's what I want to know. Because I don't think going deeper into more obscure ASMR is going to be the thing that triggers the positive response to ASMR. Like, isn't it sort of like you either feel the tingles and it's wonderful or you don't, and then you don't can fall into like any, like a real just range of, I absolutely can't stand the sound to like, eh, it does not, I don't know, I'm just not, I don't get that 
feeling. Yeah, you know? I can't justify my thought process. Like if I <laughs> if I tried cheese and I was like, I hate this, I don't think I would have continued to try other cheeses to see if there was the one that was going to suit me. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't. I guess because it was free and I had nothing else to do. I was like, maybe. <laughs> but... I can't carry this through to the cilantro gene, even though I was about to try. But but starting with the cilantro gene, maybe it's a thing where, you know, you have it or you don't. And maybe it's there's like another gene that's like the anti cilantro gene where you whereas with cilantro, it seems like people just like hate it or mm-hmm. love it. This could be like and you, you don't you don't have that gene and you have the other gene that just makes it repugnant to you. But I'd also posit, what if that means you're born to do it? Oh, God. What if it means you can, they could only, it's one side or the other. It's like you're going to love doing it or you're going to love listening to it. And what you're not picking up on is that you feel attracted to it because it's your calling. Gosh. But to be on this I've side. I've wasted so much of my life doing comedy. I should have just. Wasted so much. Should I leave? Should I just end? Yeah, because the podcast is over. I'm switching careers. That was it. I mean, that all I'm all I'm aiming to do with this podcast is is help people uncover their true talent and their true calling. And as soon as we get there, the podcast okay, is over. Great. So in this case, I was just very astute and I figured out very quickly. And you're good. Okay. Uh, you're congratulations. Well, um, yeah, we spent more time setting things up and breaking things down than talking, but that's oh, <laughs> uh, indubitably, indubitably. No, let me ask mm-hmm. you this, and this is the clunkiest segue of all time. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dive right in and tinker with it, just like I did pressing that one button. Uh, you lived in Amsterdam mm-hmm. for some time. I would say that Amsterdam sort of has the, at least in the states, you know, and you know, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but this idea of like, oh, that was the place that like. People were like cool about kink or, or you know, uh, that was sort of a, a like a safe place to be a little bit odd or to get a little high or to have some sex or whatever in this way that, you know, we're, puritanical people right. are like, oh, Amsterdam, I'm blushing just saying the name. I'm, you see what I'm doing is I'm taking the what people perceive to be a peculiarity of ASMR, which now I'm pleased to say is so common that sort of everyone <laughs> seems to know of a certain age seems to be aware of it, which is wonderful. Um, no shame, no shame. But uh, did you experience Amsterdam? Like, did you have that perception of it? Or were you thinking of that perception of it? And is it a place where because I've never been there, even though I've been all around it, for some reason, I've never actually I mean, I've like, had a stopover in Amsterdam like is there a sense of that at all like is that real in some way where where you're there you're like oh you know what anything goes it's Amsterdam it's really interesting because my my takeaway was that like the the Dutch people will they'll really make you understand the difference between tolerance and acceptance which is that they're like legally you can do what you want that doesn't uh-huh. mean we're going to be excited about it. Um, I Yeah. It. And so my my friend Zoe Brownstone, who's a stand-up, had a joke about how she was so excited to move to Amsterdam to smoke weed all the time. And then she realized Dutch people hate weed. Like the only people who uh-huh. smoke are 14-year-old Dutch boys. That's it. That's the only <laughs> and so um yeah for, I, I would i would argue that the majority of the people consuming the sort of bacchanalia side of it are like, like british hen and stag parties um yeah uh but definitely like like um 
there's a variant of mushrooms that are legal and like are sold in like regular stores um, called truffles. And I made full use of those for sure. But I think you did. Yeah. But I can't smoke weed. I get I get weird and paranoid and I can't hold conversations. Um, yeah. So people are like, oh, yeah, the weed. And I'm like, I think I smoked maybe one time the whole time that I lived yeah. there. And I was there almost four years. And I did not take part in any of the the sexual excitement. I don't think I even really saw it. Mm hmm. I accidentally stayed in the red light district. My sister and I didn't realize the first time we visited and we were just mm -hmm. walking home and we were like, is that a red light? Oh. And then realized oh. we were walking past <laughs> windows oh, and we we're like, oh, that explains everyone we see around us. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But yes, I would say in general, if you're just looking to be tolerated and not accepted, it's an amazing place <laughs> for all of those things. <laughs> For some people, that would be enough mm -hmm. because they have had to live bullshit lives exactly. in terms of like people judging them. Mm -hmm. No, to your point, still judging them, but letting them do yes, it. Yes, which is far more enlightened than I think the approach is most other places. So, well, it is interesting that I mean, God, yeah, I could talk. I feel like I could talk about this for hours, and I'm not going to because I want to hear about you. <laughs> but I am fat. It's true that I'm fascinated by the idea. And the only experience I have that's even close to that is Christiania and Copenhagen. Oh, I never went. There. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an anarchical, like tiny little enclave inside of Copenhagen mm -hmm. where the government does not go. There is no government. It's you know, whoever lives chooses to live there abides by their own rules or some kind of community rules that get established. Um, and it's definitely a place that I feel like a lot of people from Copenhagen sort of are like. And I could be wrong. If you're listening to this and you disagree and you think that Copenhagen is like loves Christiania, great. But my impression of it from conversations that I had were it was almost like little kids built a treehouse <laughs> and you're like, you know what I mean? And you're like, okay, you can have, you know what? You have your treehouse. Oh, are there no rules? Okay. You do you, you know? But it's not like, yes, mm -hmm. we're so proud of this place that we harbor, right. you know? Yeah, it's a similar vibe very similar to that I yeah, say. yeah yeah what took you to Amsterdam in the first place um I I did my last semester of college abroad in the Netherlands in, in uh, Maastricht which is like a tiny town right on the Belgian border um mm -hmm. and then I graduated and um my sister was like I heard about this theater on a podcast in Amsterdam why don't you like try check it out uh, it's called Boom Chicago, I think. And so I, I went planning to just take one improv class for eight weeks and then come home. Yeah, boom. Sure. And then, um, yeah, ended up, I met my boyfriend. I signed a year lease, signed another one. I ended up teaching at Boom um, and doing stand-up professionally. So it, And then I was there for three years. So it sort of spiraled um, step by step. I never planned to be there that long. Um, yeah. And what uh, what prompted you? Were, what, at what point were you sort of... Like, okay, and and now the thing I thought I would have done several years ago, well, I'm actually kind of ready to do. I grew up in L.A., and I hated growing up in L.A. Um, yeah. I never wanted to come back. Um, I was listening to Caitlin Cook's episode, and I was like, A, I want to be friends with her, but also I think she's taken everything I would have said about my adolescence in L.A. because we had exactly <laughs> the same experience, down to the traumatic car oh, accident no. at 17, like so similar. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, How nuts is that? Yeah. Um, but I Holy smokes. Yeah, never wanted to come back. And then I had been there for a while, and uh, the thing that made it 
possible for me to become a professional stand-up relatively quickly also meant Uh that I hit um, a ceiling in terms of being challenged and feeling excited about what I was going to do there. Um, And um, yeah, at a certain point I realized like, okay, well, if the career I want to pursue and everyone I love is in a city, maybe I should give it a try. (laughs) Maybe it's time. (laughs) Maybe I should see how that goes. Yeah. Um, Do you have siblings? I have one older sister, yeah. Um, But she's in Boston and completely outside of the industry. Just being happy and fulfilled and owning a home, you know. Gotcha. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I've heard that's fun. Yeah. Um, No. Uh, Okay. And so, listen, I I recognize that you've now... um, absolved yourself of having to tell me anything because you can just refer everyone to Caitlin's episode. But I still feel I still feel uh, called to ask you a few questions. Yes. Um, ha- so did you have that experience like she did where uh, where she where you were surrounded by kids who were kind of very much in the business or peripherally in the business by having like parents who were successful in it and stuff? Yes. Like that people were like aspiring actors and models and, and that I felt like it filtered down where like, even if people didn't want to do that, there was still just this like emphasis on image and wealth. Um, it was like, no, no eighth grader should be hot. You know, like I, I, when I was 14, I looked like a small boy who was struggling to get through the day. Like I just, (laughs) it was so bizarre. And, um, and I was also going through high school, like as sort of Instagram was exploding. And I think that was also not great. Um, Mm. not ideal. That sounds terrible to me. Yeah. It was horrible. And, um, yeah. So, and just my two best friends were both like so beautiful and, and I was a very late bloomer. So, and then when I did go through puberty, it hit me like a train it it was crazy it was like i grew like 10 inches in a year and i gained like 60 pounds over that same year i just like lost all sense i'd always been an athlete and suddenly i was like i don't know where my feet are and i don't know what to do with myself or how to handle anything yeah Um, so yeah all of that was very jarring it was not great not ideal your two best friends were beautiful were they witnessing you go through this and empathetic was or or did that like you know did did those relationships stay solid through the kind of tumult of you being like what how how do I take up space differently now and like how I mean I I think they were all going through their own things so we weren't a particularly close-knit group I would argue like I really didn't I had a moment when I got to college when I joined like a comedy theater group and I looked around and I was like this is the first time since I was maybe seven, that I've looked around the room and I felt confident that everyone in it wants me here. Like, I just never had that, like, certainty with any of my friends. And I always felt, I think also because they were, like, hot and cooler than me, that, like, I I was getting jettisoned at any opportunity, like, if there was something else that was going to come up that was cooler. They sound great. (laughs) <laughs> they just really sound great. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think I also was hard to be around in high school. Like, I think I just, um, I had always been a funny kid. And then I got to high school and I felt like, I don't know what your experience was like, but I felt like the people at my high school were not interested in girls being funny. And mm. I felt like I lost like a fundamental part of my identity. And then I was mm. like, well, if I'm not funny and I'm not hot, 
what do I have to offer here? Yeah. So I just, I was a really good student and that was what I threw myself into. Um, but, so this is yeah. post you being an athlete? Is this sort of post that or did you do some of that in high school too? I, well, I was a good student from from coming into high school. And that was also part of like, there was family expectation to be a good student. And then um, uh, once I sort of realized how outside of things I was, I really threw myself into it to the point that my dad was like, it's okay if you don't get straight A's. We're worried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So no, I wouldn't wouldn't say I loved high school. I wouldn't say it was a great time overall. Yeah. Yeah. Was that were, like, were you funny in high school? Was that a thing that you? Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm on, I've been on a thread the last couple of uh, days with one of my best high school friends and another best high school friend because she just went one of them just went through spine surgery. And so we've been texting back and forth a lot. And it, it it's it's amazing how different the three of us are, but how similar some of our experience of being women uh how similar those experiences, like we've all had mental health stuff when we were, you know, in our late teens, early twenties, but now we all have like weird autoimmune shit <laughs> and like broken backs and necks and we're not that old. Yeah. Um, and so it, there's, it's just funny that like those things are incidental. It's not like those are personality traits, but yet we can still relate mm-hmm. not just over that, over our personalities, but like weird life stuff that that is happening to us that we can, you know, laugh about and, and whatnot. But I was definitely very goofy and I was definitely a funny kid. But I also was in Tucson, Arizona. You know, it's just a totally different... Right. It's Tucson is full of uh, all types of people, m- many of us nerds. Um, you know what I mean? There just wasn't... <laughs> You know, I mean, it was like so rare for someone to, you know, like go off and be on a TV show. I mean, that was like unheard of, you know, mm-hmm. um, even with old Tucson being just right, right outside, which is where they shoot a bunch of Westerns like Tombstone and stuff. Um, so I cannot e- imagine being a teenager in, in L.A. I could barely imagine being a person in my 20s there, which is why I waited so long to even acknowledge that I might even want to be here. So. Um, since you've come back, have you had, do you feel, does something, does anything feel different in you or to you that changes how you feel about the city? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I remember at some point, I think it was like either late high school or early college and my family went to Abbott Kinney and we were walking down the street and I remember just feeling paralyzed by like how hip everyone was and it made me mad. I was like how dare you make me feel this bad about myself? Like, come on. And then um, I moved back when I was was 27, when I moved back. And I'm like, well, I like myself now and I'm fine. And now I'm like, oh, LA is cooler than I thought. Like, I still don't like driving and it's too big and there's a lot of weird parts to it. But um, definitely, I don't know that I could have grown that robust sense of self had I stayed. I think I needed to leave and then come back being fine with myself in order to handle it better (laughs) absolutely were you going to what what area of LA were you in were you in or were you in LA proper were you in the valley where Um, I grew up in the valley in North Hollywood okay Mm -hmm. Okay. and it's funny because I um uh I don't I I think I've made it clear I have no particular love for LA I will not stand for valley slander there's all like there's all these people who like grew up outside of it and they're like oh you grew up in the valley I'm so sorry and I'm like hey Mm-hmm. Hey, that's yeah. my strip mall wasteland. How dare you do that to me? <laughs> Good for you. But and and also like, you know, one of the other things and it, 
I'll, 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 I'm, I'm interested in your point of view on this because one of the other things that, that comes up a lot uh, with people when when you're talking to adults who don't work in the industry, there's a conversation that that seems to come up often, which is just you know you know L.A. is not just the business. You can you most people have nothing to do with it, and there's all of this other industry going on, and it's also and so. Quite honestly, the fact that you grew up in North Hollywood and still went to a high school where everybody there was just still this pervasive sense of like, this matters, this matters, this matters. And like, watch out if you don't have it is is kind of crushing to me because I think I I like to think like, you know, because like someone like Randall Park, um, if I recall, grew up uh, like in Culver. He's but he's also older than you and things just change. Um, but, you know, he was like, I don't know, I had a vague sense that there was something going on in show business. <laughs> but like I was just a kid on a bike. Do you know what I mean? So um, it seemed possible that you could, you know, that, that a kid could grow up in North Hollywood. I feel like parents moved to North Hollywood from L.A., from like, you know, the city proper to be like, I don't want my child to grow up in this cl- the climate of show business. And then yeah. to hear like, well, you still do. So like I really didn't get that sense at all in elementary or middle school as much um like those felt very separate from anything I, I don't know what elementary school feels pervaded by the industry but um uh my high school was a magnet and so we drove it was in Reseda but people drove from all over to go there and so I don't know if that's part of what drove it um and there were a lot of kids from Studio City um which I think, despite being Valley, is a very and very close to North Hollywood, is a very yeah. wealthy enclave that's very tied to the I mean, industry it's, it's as well. Literally so, called Studio City. Studio so. City, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was a big part of it too. Did you grow up going to like Disneyland and Universal Studios and sort of having that Southern California experience of amusement parks and stuff that people sometimes think happens? Um, yeah, we went. Uh, we didn't go to Disneyland often. We went maybe um, a few times during my childhood. We went to Universal more often because it was like right up the street from us. Yeah. Um, and I, a lot of time spent at Universal City Walk because that was like a safe place for f- parents to drop off youths, you know, because yeah. you could just wander the strip and then they'd pick you up. Um, yeah. So much time spent at malls. That that always made my mom so sad. She's, she grew up in Queens. And she was always like, I hate that in L.A. the only safe place for kids to hang out is at the mall. It's terrible. That Glendale Galleria is, feels like uh, <laughs> it's kind of trapped in time in yes. an interesting way, too. Like, that's one of the most 80s malls I can think of. Like, it's not we're not talking. It's not like Stranger Things 80s, but right. it's like pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. It's impressive. So you were going to the mall and and were you a person were you because, you know, for some kids like going to the mall and just shopping and like buying something new at Forever 21 is feels sort of like a good use of of time. Did you feel that or were you like, yeah, this is not this doesn't feel like it's for me, but this is what I got. I think um, when I got to high school, I think it shifted and I liked it more. Like I remember... Um, we got an allowance in middle school and my sister spent hers all the time because she had friends and she was like going places. And mm-hmm. I had saved like $400 by the end of middle school because I just Dang. never did anything. And so and my parents were like, oh, 
we've been giving her too much money. Like what, what, what? <laughs> we should have cut way back when we realized she wasn't going anywhere. And I remember I, my mom dropped me off at the mall and I like did a bunch of shopping for high school. Cause I was so excited for my high school wardrobe. None of which fit me within like a year because I grew. But yeah, I remember my dad picking me up from the mall and he was like, who are you? Like, what have you done with Olivia? Like, <laughs> I didn't know that you were like a mall gal. And I was like, uh-huh. it's high school. It's a whole new me. I'm a mall gal now. And then you immediately couldn't. Then then they got you were too. Oh, boy. Yeah. I remember looking at a dress that I wore on the first day of of high school when I was a senior and it could have I don't think I could have gotten it around my thigh like it, it was so <laughs> small I could not believe I had owned it in the recent past yeah it's funny when you pick up your own clothes and they feel like doll clothes that's definitely a that's definitely a surreal moment and they're not your baby clothes I yeah. absolutely remember that no <laughs> doubt about it um I guess I guess I'm gonna ask you if you dated <laughs> Okay, well, this is the surprising thing I did. Ah. Yeah. I Well, I didn't date. I had one boyfriend that I got my senior year of high school who, like, um, was wonderful and really changed the game. And then all my friends were really mad. All my friends. My two friends were mad because I stopped hanging out with them. And I was like, he's a good friend. Why would I hang out with you who tolerates me <laughs> when I can hang out with him who really likes me? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a real, um, I felt like a fluke. I, I spent a lot of that relationship being like, why are you here? Like, I think I was yeah. just so accustomed to being like, people tolerate me, but like, I'm not great. And then he was like, I like you. And I was like, why? Yeah. And we did it for like a year and a half. And then it ended explosively my freshman year of college. But Ooh. yeah. What what happened? Um. Oh, yeah. Um. We were like sort of on a break trying to figure out the long distance thing. And then um, during that break, he slept with one of my former friends from high school. And then they both lied to me about it. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then uh, neither talked to me ever again. So that was cool. Because it was your fault. It was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I should have I should have been there to stop it. <laughs> oh, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> Don't sleep with anyone who I, I don't know. I, I mean, know. I, I had this. Of, I had a similar experience oh with no. someone who who slept with like not even someone I had was was active had actively recently dated, but it was the person that I lost my virginity to. Which, by the way, I'm now realizing I fully had on the podcast. So anyone <laughs> who wants to know who I'm talking about, sorry, buddy, <laughs> sorry. Um, and then like the like my oldest friend who I'd known since we were in preschool. They hooked up and it like meant zero to them. But I was like, that's worse. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, well, then you didn't need to. Why? Yeah. Why? yeah. And, it, and it was also frustrating because, you know, there are people who are like, well, technically they didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, is that the world that we live in where you can just be like, it wasn't illegal. Like, yeah, <laughs> it sure made me feel like, uh, yeah, feel pretty awful. So, oh, God, I'm Although- sorry. Yeah. yeah, she did apologize. She sent an apology like four days later, which was also my birthday, which she did not acknowledge, which was fun. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I had just turned 20. So it was an important birthday for me. I was like, people should know my birthday. Yeah. Um, she sent me a terrible apology, like the world's worst apology. That was Please basically, oh, yeah. it was basically just like, I would never want to hurt you. And I was like, okay, well, you did. Um, yeah. I... 
uh, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. It was very much that brand of like, I'm sorry right. you're sad, not I'm sorry right. I did it. Right, um, right, right. And the thing that really bothered me about it was she used the wrong form of lose. She said, I would never want to lose you. And I was oh, like, well, no. she didn't even proofread it. So how can I trust her? <laughs> Wait, so when you say that they never talk to you again, it's starting to sound suspiciously like you never talk to her again. Yeah. OK, well, to be fair, it's easier <laughs> to just lump them together. He never said a word and never spoke to me again. She yeah. sent an apology and then I rejected her. So th- uh, that one's on me. I did not yeah. want her to speak to me. The part that really actually I was ready to. Like, I can discard her pretty easily. He never spoke to me again, and that really hurt me. But um, never acknowledged it. There was like, no. Do you think that that's because... I cannot believe I'm going this deep into the therapy of someone else's, not yours, but his his life. Now I'm going like fifth person in, (laughs) fifth person D. I'd love to talk about his mom. (laughs) He hated Um, me, by the way. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Do you think that is... Like, would it have been a surprise to him... For you to ice him out? Like, do you think that he was just like, there's no point in me putting myself out there because I did do something bad and she's never going to forgive me, forgive me for this. So, like, I would rather avoid being iced out by just, like, disappearing forever. <laughs> yeah, that was certainly a thing that I came to realize later with much therapy. At the time, I was like, because it was also... Uh, here's a lesson in not building the entire foundation of your self-esteem on the first person who's actually nice to you mm-hmm. is that uh, then when they, you know, hurt you deeply, you're like, well, I guess I am trash after all. I was right. Yeah. So I was so deep in that for so long that I didn't really think about it. Um, and then later on, I was like, oh, my God, of course, he was terrified of me because I shut down the other girl rapidly. I'm sure she was like, don't talk to Olivia. She's pissed. And he was like, well, I already feel really bad because this thing is making me question who I am because I think of myself as a good person. Uh, So I'm not going to get yelled at. Yeah. That's my therapizing of the situation years later. He may listen one day and be like, that's not what happened. I just didn't want to talk to you anymore. But may listen one day. (laughs) I've got a surprise for you. Someday I will do that and it will be real. But today's not that day. <laughs> today's not that day. I'm not going to do that to you, Olivia. Um, okay. And so uh, were you – now, when you say you bought your your dress, you know, your your doll, doll clothes dress uh, that you were the first day, mm-hmm. did your style change through high school? And did you have sort of a point of view? And were you expressing it through, you know, fashion, whether or not you were an aspiring model or – you know what I mean? Yes. Like, did you rebel against that? You know, what what, what did that look like for you? Um, I think I really, I just had no idea. I mean, I definitely had a sense of style. Um, And I think I've always thought I sort of accidentally blended in with the hipsters because I was a weirdo at the same time that hipsters were becoming big. Like, I remember showing up at like the bus stop thinking I like looked really unique. And then I was like, wait, everybody else is dressed exactly the same as me. (laughs) (laughs) What were you wearing? Um, I would wear like, you know, like a floral dress with like a belt from a different floral dress over it and then like a T-shirt underneath mm-hmm. and like little boots with like mismatched socks. Mm-hmm. I had like a whole thing. That sounds um, adorable. So uh, <laughs> good job. Um, and then um, I I tried to dress like my sister for a long time because she had really cool style. And then I realized it did not work for me because she's very like clean lines minimalist and i was like i need nine patterns happening at once uh-huh. um 
And then um, I got to college and that's when I sort of figured it out. Like, because I think I felt the need to decide in high school. I was like, am I going to be a girly girl or am I going to be a tomboy? And I'd always been a tomboy. I got mistaken for a boy a lot as a kid. And I took great pride in that. Like I liked when people were like, son, where's your mother? And I'd be like, they don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I can't peel off a mask (laughs) because this is my natural face, but I gotcha. Another one. Um, (laughs) And then I realized I was like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. And some days I can wear a suit and some days I can, uh, yeah, wear a floral dress with a different dress's belt over uh-huh. it. <laughs> she shoot underneath. But I want your autobiography yeah. to be a different dress's <laughs> belt. People will be like, I gotta buy this. I can't imagine what that means. Hey, dresses come with patterned belts. Is it that many? <laughs> Why did she keep doing it? So you never, you never, I guess that's the other thing is that if... Uh, if you're in a place where being in the theater department is an actual channel, potential channel through to like being a professional actor here and teens are potentially maybe more focused on looks and stuff. So it's not I mean, I'm sure there's I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of kids in high school in Los Angeles who are like, I'm a character actress. You know what I mean? But like that's probably not as predominant as. You know, I was deciding between cheerleading and and acting. All due respect to cheerleaders, I was not one. But um, (laughs) and I know it means different things to different people. But um, so like you didn't. So you did you. It's not like you were like, I'll find the theater kids. They're the weirdos. They're the outcasts. Like they're the is that I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's funny because the the theater department at my high school was very small and it was run by quite a strange man. And like I did not resonate with that vibe at all um i was like yeah. i don't know what his deal is but it feels real weird in here um hmm. and also my mother is an actress and she was very firm about like you can do whatever you want when you're an adult you will not be a child actor in this house so like it was not an option i could have done high school drama i guess but i like i had other academic things going on um so yeah it was very much not an option for a career until i left the home um but yeah I just I didn't find the theater kids they were there was not that was not my community in high school at all I couldn't tell you why were you doing um were you writing were you like journaling and you know yes talking about how you were feeling to yourself (laughs) um yeah I was in therapy from the time I was like 14 which I think was good and I um, I think my family and my therapist and I figured out that I'd been depressed about since then without it being diagnosed until I got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but very dramatic journal entries for sure. Um, and the reason I went to that magnet is because it was a humanities magnet and I always wanted to be a writer. Like that was what my focus was. Um, uh, and um, yeah, so I I did, it, but it was all pretty private journaling. Like I wasn't really in that. Although I remember we did a, you had to write an alternate scene from The Great Gatsby and then perform it. And I got to play Jordan and I got off the stage and I was like, uh-oh. I was like, something happened here tonight. Uh-oh. This is- <laughs> okay. Wait, which hmm. one's Jordan? Don't be mad. No, I'm no, asking. No, I'm okay. asking for a friend of all the people listening who yes. don't remember. She is the sporty one who's oh. friends with Daisy. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She sort of makes, a, like, a, in the a, same way that the narrator makes a kind of 
sense she's sort of a little more grounded is that yes. fair to say yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah and so you felt so you did feel a feeling of like mm, I did like being in front of the audience oh there. yeah I was, I was like oh applause mm. uh-huh. oh that's <laughs> snip, snip. Mm-hmm. we're gonna tuck that away for later okay <laughs> yeah yeah um were you and but you did say that you were a funny kid so how was that expressing itself were you just like cracking wise in the back of the classroom like where was that where was the funny coming out not much in high school. I mean, I think I was I was funny in Girl Scouts because I felt very comfortable there. Like I did Girl Scouts until I graduated high school. Um, and um, and I think I was maybe funny with like some of my friends from like uh, like our version of like student council that I was on. But what no, does our version mean? Was it like, like... Well, the magnet had its own independent like coordinating group that was run by the students um and it was not an elected position it was an appointed position that I received which I think is why I got it um so yeah I think I was funny in smaller settings but it was these like big group settings where there were like cool kids all together or like I I was in there was this weird thing when I was in high school where there's this program called youth in government which was like by nerds for nerds it was like you like it was basically like model like mock government um and for some reason it became very hip when i was in high school so Hmm. this like swarm of super cool kids all joined which is cool because it got more kids involved in like active you know participating in your government caring about things being passionate about it but it also meant that there were all these kids who were like i've dedicated my life to speaking out on the government and all of a sudden these hip kids are coming in with their chants and cheers and ruining everything Um, (laughs) but I was in that and I just remember so many instances of just being like I don't know how to talk like there were so many cool kids and all these like boys like wrestling and like being goofy and if I would try to be goofy I always like took it too far like I just didn't know how to make that work and I remember one time one guy was like why do you always have to take it there and I was like well I'm never going to speak again. Okay. <laughs> Which is part of what I like. I feel like this has all sounded much sadder than I thought it would. A lot of this was <laughs> a lot of my isolation was my fault. Like, I think I was an unpleasant person to be around. <laughs> I think you're right. That's I much do, less sad. Yeah. I think I internalized all of the aggression and yeah. it made me angry at people that they wouldn't let me be myself. And then I would mm. be spiky and weird and then it would be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know. Understood. And yeah. also there happened to have been a surge of hormones rushing through your body <laughs> as your body was rapidly, drastically and uncomfortably changing. So that yeah. <laughs> may not have helped. It's possible that that didn't help. Okay. Yeah. All it's right. possible it even hurt. I'll say that. Well, yeah. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Bikram Chatterjee, the CEO of Maximum Fun, and I'm here with my fellow worker owner, Marissa Flaxbart, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at MaxFun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. 
and head to our YouTube channel Friday, October 20th, where I'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. All right, class. Tomorrow's exam will cover the science of cosmic rays, the morals of art forgery, and whether or not fish can drown. Any questions? Yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything! Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom, I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella, I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got to get into this MASH game with you. Okay, yes. This is good because this is going to be all positive instead of the Great. kind of sad sack stories you would know. I was going to say, I, right before we get in, I love your version of MASH because when I was listening to the ep- episodes, when I played it in school, it was always like, you ended up with like 15 kids in a shack married to the boy you hated the most who put gum on your desk. So I'm very happy. Why? Why? What are we doing, people? <laughs> that are, are This is an escape from like things in your life that you're not satisfied by. I guess you could say it's like a nightmare where you're like, and then I went back to my regular life and I was so happy I didn't have 15 kids. But no, no, not today. Not today. Not on my watch. <laughs> All right. First of all, I'm going to ask you for three sort of hero figures for you, um, living or dead, that you get to kind of collaborate on something with. And I that doesn't mean that you have to have the skill that you would need to have in regular life to do this collaboration. Okay. Like maybe I want to paint something with so-and-so. I'm a terrible painter, but who cares? And MASH, you're Ooh. amazing. Three people that you get to collaborate on something with, people that you really admire. Okay. Uh, Issa Rae, Noah Kahn. He's a musician who I'm deeply in love with mm-hmm. and I'll say um Jane Austen okay next category let's do three movies that you can jump into and you're just in them you're not reliving the plot you're just in the world that's been created for you first one is Tinkerbell and the Legend of the Never Beast I ran out of room that's okay because my second one would be Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy but all if right, it's listen, all in the same world <laughs> Are these spin-off Tinkerbell movies like on the Disney Channel or something? What's happening? Yeah, there are Why six. Why don't I know what these are? There are okay. six of them. Are all three of your w- movies going to be Tinkerbell movies? Probably. I love it. <laughs> hey, this is your mash. If there's something about it that's dip- that, like each movie has its own special thing they that do is like different from the other. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the second one is Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy. I'm smartly putting Tink this time. Great. The third tink one. Pirate. We're just going to assume is Tinkerbell, and you can put The Secret of the Wings. Great. Um, does Tinkerbell speak in any of these? Yes, it's okay. um, Mae Whitman. Oh, is Tinkerbell. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And she's That's amazing. Awesome. They have a stacked cast, and no one has ever heard of them. And I watched yeah. all six of them while I was deep in a manic episode last summer, and oh. now they've become... <laughs> 
<laughs> my comfort watch whenever I'm sad. Um, so highly recommend it. Don't watch the first three. They're not that good, but that's the last three. <laughs> that's, really when they really that's when they really their... kick off. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Uh, amazing. I can, I can be very sure in telling you that no one has ever picked any of those movies for MASH before. So very, very uh, original. No one's going to muscle in. You're going to run into anybody <laughs> who did my podcast and also got that in MASH. Like, hey, this is also my MASH answer. Um, okay, next one. Uh, let's do three foods that you can have whenever you want. There's zero ramifications in this okay. reality that we're creating for you. Great. Uh, mashed potatoes, Great. corn on the cob, and... Uh, green grapes the green grapes were a little bit of a left turn because at this at a certain <laughs> point it felt like you were just picking boston market sides <laughs> which by the way are delicious no shade it was just like it started to feel if you were if you had said mac and cheese i would have been like yeah i get it i get it it's like the tinkerbell of sides it's like the <laughs> it tinkerbell exactly. of sides. okay yeah. you know what i mean uh okay uh next category let's do three uh i'd love to here like three styles that you know you can pull off and look fantastic um in this alternate world that uh maybe feel like too much to wear now or like it, you wouldn't feel comfortable in it but you love the way it looks on other people three styles that you get to Ooh, try okay on. um i'm gonna say uh james bond from specter oh hell yeah um those like um uh like do you know like it's like uh those robes that like widows wear when they've mysteriously killed their hu their wealthy husband it's like a like a sheer robe with furry cuffs oh oh yes yeah and then they wear like yes. lingerie underneath that's mm -hmm. my second one okay wonderful i guess i'm just gonna put widow robe widow robe as I and will then, forever now think of it. <laughs> and then my third one would be Rosetta's costume from the Tinkerbell movies. <laughs> Great. Great. Okay, beautiful. Uh, next one, three places in the world that we can give you another home to go to whenever you feel like it. And we're sort of teleporting you there. Oh, um, Amsterdam. Great. I'm going to say uh, Naples. Great. And uh, London. Okay, perfect. It's MASH. We've got to get some romance in here. Three okay. characters. They can all be from Tinkerbell movies. <laughs> uh, three people, any age, any era, any anything. Mae Martin. Yeah. Anyone. Dev Patel. Did you see that? His David Copperfield? Not his, yes. but did you see? Good. I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. I got to watch it again. It was such a surprising delight. I like went in not really knowing anything about it. And yeah. It was so good. It's so whimsical. And we just watched The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which I loved as a kid. The, it's a Roald Dahl short story. Oh, and, yeah. I haven't seen um, it yet. Yeah. Wes Anderson did it. Wes Anderson did it with and Dev Patel's in it. And so is Benedict Cumberbatch. It's like 40 oh, yeah. minutes. It's on Netflix. Oh, OK. Very oh, whimsical okay, great. and fun. Yeah. Wonderful. And then my third one is her name is Vidya. V-I-D-Y-A, I think. Mm -hmm. From the Tinkerbell movies. Great. I'm really hoping this comes around that it's all Tinkerbell and then like I think it's entirely possible and then like Dev Patel has to live there with me like he just has to be like what's happening <laughs> hey he wants to be there as far as I'm concerned he wants to be there 
this is this is your mash and my mash. Uh, okay, next one. Let's do three skills. Three skills that we can sort of sort of download into your brain matrix style that you wake up with and you're just amazing at three things. Oh, I wish I could sing. That's that's always been a big one for me. But what what's it? Uh, pole vault. Oh, okay. <laughs> it seems like the closest you could get to flying without you know. It's, I suppose that's Tinkerbell adjacent. <laughs> um, and, um, oh, and I wish, do they have to be like real skills? Like in yeah. the real world? Okay. Um, then I, uh, I teleportation. Great. Okay. All right. And then last category, let's do, um, <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm trying to think of a way to make it uh, either imperative that it all be Tinkerbell related or (laughs) impossible for it to be Tinkerbell related. (laughs) Now I'm just playing a weird game of my own. Uh, I'm going to step away from that. Uh, Let me get let me get serious about this. This sometimes this last one I'm very uh, I would like to hear your um, I would like to hear your answers for you have an extra magical room uh, in your house. And what what do you do with it? Is it something very magical like is it a forest or is it you know a, a yoga room or a room full of teddy bears well my real life dream has always been to live in a mushroom house so Great. if i could somehow manifest like yeah there's like a root like i live my normal life and then i open the door to the room and it's like a magical forest and i can shrink very small and i can go Great. rest in my mushroom house wonderful that would be great. I'm so on board. I would also like the magical room that um, when I was a kid, I always really, when I envisioned my perfect house, it had like a lazy river running through it. So can the room be like a lazy river that, that goes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> from place to place in my home? I love it. Um, and then for the third one, I'd like it to be a library where I can go in and get any book in the world wonderful Ooh, what a great category to end on that's not me patting myself on the back that's me patting your answers on the back <laughs> also um, great category also great category okay uh give me a word that helps describe um how you feel after you well let's do it uh, ha- give me a word that helps describe your feelings around tinkerbell movies oh safe Great. All right. I'm going to do the non-math to get you each individual and glorious answer for this uh, 100% guaranteed MASH future. (laughs) This is your opportunity to tell people where to find you, how, what, who, presumably not why. I feel like that's we've already established that you're wonderful. So but but how (laughs) where can people do it? What they say on Reddit. Um, Don't you remember? (laughs) Don't you remember? well, um, I am Olivia Flood Wiley. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian. You can find me at oliviafloodwiley.com. Um, I have two hour-long stand-up specials out there. You can also find me at YouTube at Olivia Flood Wiley Comedy. Uh, my social media is at Olivia Flood Wiley. I believe that all of that is without the hyphen. So it's just Flood Wiley, one word. Um, I'm going to be in Austin. Uh in November. If you'd like to see me there, I will not be talking about Tinkerbell. 
unfortunately. Mm. Although I am hoping to work it into my next hour because it is very important to me. And no one in my life will listen to me about it anymore. So I have to take it on stage. That's right. That's right. That's what they force us to do. (laughs) That's not our fault. It's not my fault at all. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I feel real good about this. Um, While you didn't get every single answer... Uh, Tinkerbell related, you definitely can jump into the pirate ship fairy? show. Fairy. Mm-hmm. Fi- the pirate fairy. You definitely can jump into uh, the Tinkerbell movie, Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy. Yeah. I don't I know why it's it, so important to me to get the, the title exactly just, right. I think it's the only one that doesn't have Tinkerbell and the, I think it's just called the Pirate Fairy. Actually. Okay. But All it right. is a Tinkerbell movie. Okay, so the pirate fairy is yours to jump into whenever you want to just spend time, enjoy, celebrate. Um, I don't know uh, which movie did you say uh, that that uh, Vidya comes from, but you do get her. Oh, nice! She's in all of them, so that's perfect. <laughs> She's, okay, so this is this is your this is your uh, romance and sexy time partner uh, carrying through all of this. If you like, um, you have uh, unlimited mashed potatoes unlimited mashed potatoes whether that be in your uh, apartment in Amsterdam or in your tiny magical mushroom house yeah which I'm very excited about if I could have picked one thing that I just orchestrated and made happen for you it would definitely be mushroom (laughs) house so I'm really glad that it happened on its own um you have the ability to uh have well let's say you 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 have uh Collaborate on something with Jane Austen. Um, I cannot wait to learn what it is. I don't know if it's going to incorporate your fantastic singing voice uh, or if it's just some totally other endeavor. But that is definitely uh, those are two things that you have in your world, along with this just like smoking badass style of James Bond inspector. Yeah. Um, it sounded when you say that it sounds like you're saying his name is James Bond and he's an inspector. inspector. <laughs> yeah, but James Bond inspector. Um, so that is, I think I've covered everything, but that's that's a pretty phenomenal mash. I hope that you feel as good about it as I do. Oh my gosh, when I tell my family that I'm going to end up in a Tinkerbell movie in a mushroom house with mashed potatoes, they're going to be like, "That's literally all you've been talking about your whole life." <laughs> that's all. <I've> <laughs> I like the idea that mashed potatoes, once they're in their mashed form, mm-hmm. it seems like they're translatable to any size. It's like, true. They're still just mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. You're not like mm-hmm. taking a, a giant life-size hamburger with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's something about that that feels nicely transformable and, and teleportationable. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you want permanent teleportation. But you can teleport to your apartment in Amsterdam. Uh, Olivia, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad we did it. And I'm so glad that everyone's gear got set up and (laughs) we're safe and sound and that you did not have to stand up for that entire conversation. I would have hated myself forever. Um, Can't wait to see you up at Sketchfest. But Mm -hmm. I didn't. But let's. But I just want to say I said that. That doesn't mean anything because we haven't announced our lineup yet. So for all you know, we could have had the offline conversation that we're going to hang out when she comes up to just watch shows at Sketchfest. I haven't said anything. So um, everyone, keep a lid on it. And uh, (laughs) I will talk to you next time on the podcast. 
The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.